Welcome to another episode of the Awareness Advantage Podcast, where leaders who are good at getting stuff done become great leaders to influence and inspire people. I'm your U.S. co-host and best-selling author, Kevin McCarthy, joined by my good friend, Canadian business partner, and best-selling author, Licky Labji. If you have not yet done so, click subscribe so you never miss an episode. And now, the Awareness Advantage Podcast. Not everybody at your workplace is your friend. Do your job, get paid, go home. What do you think of that statement? What comes up for you? My first reaction is, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but it, it clashes with if we're trying to be an empathic leader. Thank you, Vera. I guess what I struggle with is that, does that necessarily conflict with, like, I can be connected to people, but not consider them to be my friends. They're just, you know, colleagues, they're, you know, coworkers, they're, you know, they're people on the team, but I consider friends, like the people that I want to kind of have relationships with, you know, they may be people that are in my workplace, but they don't, but a lot of times they're not. So if I use my definition of friend, then I kind of agree, <laughs> kind of agree with the, with the statement. But if it's, you know, friend in the sense of having, you know, having relationship of some sort with the people that you're working with, then, then I can see the conflict. Nice. <laughs> good, good insight. Not everyone at your workplace is your friend. Do your job, get paid, go home. What do we think of that? Yeah, I think similarly, I, I agree with the first part. It makes sense. But the second part, I guess that what comes up for me is this idea of perpetuating that you can completely separate personal and work, like that you can let them not overlap at all, which isn't really true. Like you, you, you can't have feelings at home, but not have feelings at work or vice versa. And so, while I agree with that not everyone at your workplace is your friend, I guess what, what it says essentially is fine, but the idea behind it that I get from it is kind of that you can really have a hard line between work and personal and that, that they aren't connected, but I think they are. Good insight. Well, let's define friend. What is a friend? Who wants to go first? Come on, somebody take a stab at it. There's no right or wrong answer here. This is your definition of friend. Well, I kind of agree with Kirby and what she had said in the aspect of, you know, it's someone that I do want to spend time with outside of work, you know, that I would want to go do something other than just focusing on, you know, what I do in my every day. Mm -hmm. Somebody you want to spend time with outside of work. What else? I think it's that deliberate action, like Shelly said, you want to do this. I think you can still be a level of <laughs> a level of friendship with people at work, but that's because you may get along or you have similar ways of doing things and you just work well with them. But the question is, are those friendships going to survive outside of the work realm? Some do, some, I, I think most of them don't. Mm. But it's the volu voluntary versus you just end up in the same room situation. So I, I have adult kids and I, my kids played all kinds of sports and we had so-called 
friends and other parents where we shared bleachers <laughs> for, I don't know, 10 years or so. And our kids went to college, never saw them again, never even like got Christmas cards or, you know, that stuff. So it's like, wow, you spend so much time with those people and, you know, set on the bleachers and use talk with them about all these things that are going on in your life and then poof college happens and they disappear mm -hmm. i find that very interesting right who else how do you define a friend i think it's also someone you can trust and then all right good 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 trust you bring up trust so let's uh in the, in the chat window if you can participate click that link and let's build a little word cloud here of words that would define a friend. What does it mean to be a friend and somebody you trust? That's probably the important aspect of friendship. Yes. What else? Listens, trust, respect, respects me, mutual respect, connections, care, mm -hmm. keep a confidence, fun, yeah, understanding, sharing. What else just showed up here? Confidant. This is interesting. We do a lot of these word clouds in the work that we do. And if we throw out more negative terms, I guess, conflict or stress or various terms like that, this word cloud just blows up on the screen with words that people relate to. But yet it's kind of hard to define a friend, it seems to be. That's a pretty good start. So. How do you know if somebody is a friend? What does it take for somebody, for you to call somebody your friend? There's probably multiple layers of what, who we might call a friend, right? The, the bleacher friend, you know, the, the colleague friend, but let's, let's look at that person that you would say, this is a really close friend. This is a dear friend. This is a trusted friend. How do you get to that point? How do you know? You can be yourself completely authentic with the person. Okay. And they don't pass judgment. Is it, is that a continuation or may they, might they still, and you're still a friend? Yeah. And the other, the other one that really came to mind, cause I was just speaking about it yesterday with somebody, it's people that I've gone through conflict with and come out the other end, still respecting each other. My, my very best friend outside my family is uh, he and I conflicted all the time. In fact, we started working together. He was actually a competitor. I stole him from the other company, came to work for me, and then uh, ended up having to fire him. And we grew a friendship through that, and we've been friends for 30 years. <laughs> Very close friends. He'd be my best friend. I'd consider him my best friend. So actually, and my other... Another very close friend, I would say my two closest friends both started from a work relationship. Hmm. So it sounds like one of the prerequisites is you have to fire the person and they, <laughs> then call them a friend. That just happened to be the, there was a lot of story around that, but, it was, that. but my point is, is that sometimes we view conflict as a negative thing, but actually it's an opportunity to get to know somebody deeper, understand them a bit more. And I think, like I said, my closest friends are the ones I've had conflict with even my family, right? We've had conflict within the family. Obviously you have conflict in family. And they're yet, they're the closest to me. They know me the best. I can be completely myself with them. That would be some markers for me. Nice. What else? How do you get to a place where you 
classify somebody as a close friend, a trusted friend? My closest friend is, we started working together in 94. And, you know, we've been through babies, marriages, divorces, you know, the whole nine yards. And, you know, still just as close as ever. We may not talk for a month and then we talk and you don't skip a beat. Nice. I have a, I gotta be careful to call him a friend right now. Quasi friend, a loose friend, a casual friend. I don't know. Uh, but I have a friend who he made a comment when we first met, he says, I don't call anybody friend until I've walked with them for 10 years. Now he's a little on the radical side of every thought process out there. But it was interesting that for him, he wants to see who you are and know your character is how he defines that. I won't call you friend until I know who you are. But we tend to call a lot of people friends. And I would say, I don't know if we should or could even define those different types of friendships because it's probably a very long list of how we might define it. But we call a lot of people friends, but when it's really comes right down to it. Are they truly friends? Are they acquaintances? Are they colleagues? Are they, you know, bleacher parents, you know, what soccer parents, what, uh, you know, how would we classify them? Yeah. Shelly, your dad calls them acquaintances, right? And the reason I bring this up and the reason this is, uh, I think it's somewhat of a relevant concept is because how we define our relationships has a direct impact on how we create and manage our expectations of those relationships. And if you call somebody friend and then they disappoint you over and over, were they really a friend or were they just an acquaintance? And maybe you had the wrong expectation or maybe the friendship is built on a, a very singular commonality right? I know somebody who was friends with the person for almost 30 years, and it was a very toxic friendship. It was very one-sided friendship. If these two got together and they wanted to, you know, go out drinking at the bars or dancing at the clubs, they were great friends. But friend one was never there for friend two in any other situations. So the challenge was, is that really a friend? Or is it maybe a party buddy? How do we define our friends? And then how do we, you know, manage those expectations? I have pool playing friends, but we don't get together outside of that for the most part. See them once a year in Vegas. I was thinking of somebody I worked with and she, she just considered everybody to be her friend because she, she was just very social. She was very outgoing. She, she was extremely trusting and just kind of felt like in her mind, she was connected to everybody, but I would look at it and I thought, certainly that was not the way I was approaching things, but I, but I also didn't see, no, like I know that those people don't like her and, you know, or, or you know, kind of put up with her or, you know, things like that. And so, you know, so it seems like a lot of it's just kind of, you know, some of it may be your personality or your, you know, just kind of how you've approached things. But, but I think, you know, for me, I, I think I'm, I'm, you know, pretty level on, not having expectations of everybody's my everybody's my friend and so I, I don't think I get you know disappointed as much as that person that I was talking about in my workplace would when you know when things happen that she thought 
you know, weren't things that friends would, you know, would say or things would do, you know, they would do, but, but it was just about the perspective that she had Mm -hmm. of everybody being her friend. (laughs) Yeah. That's uh, kind of the point. It's like, we can have that perspective and those expectations set. And then the more people that disappoint us, the more hurt we can become. And, uh, and yet if we go back to the original thought process is, was that person truly a friend? Now, by the way, you bring up the, uh, the personality styles, the, the motivator typically, especially left unaware, they love to have lots of contacts. They might call them all friends. I know everybody, blah, 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 blah. Uh, whereas the peacemaker is really content with having just a few close connections. Doesn't care if they have a lot of contacts, like not, you know, they wouldn't call everybody friend. If you are in leadership at any level from frontline manager to chief executive, Licky and I would like to invite you to join the conversations in our live virtual studio audience every Thursday or any Thursday that you are available from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific time. For more information, please visit us at blindspots.vip forward slash audience. That's blindspots.vip forward slash audience. Now back to the program. So bringing it sort of back to the original picture and the workplace, is that a true statement and is it a, is it a healthy statement? Two separate questions. Not everybody at your workplace is your friend. Do your job, get paid, go home. What does that indicate for the workplace? What are the ramifications of that mindset, if you will? Well, I wouldn't want to work there. <laughs> okay. Yeah, very true. I think for most, it would leave them feeling unsatisfied. You know, it's not that everybody at your workplace has to be your friend, but I think you you have to have some connection, especially with the people that work, you know, in your inner circle. You know, I mean, our organization is thousands. So it's not like I'm going to even have acquaintances with everybody at my workplace. But, you know, you I think at least in your inner circle of the people that you work closest with you, if you don't have some personal connection, you know, it's just unfulfilling. Mm -hmm. You might have such a great connection. You all wear the same t-shirt every day. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine that. We had a picture today. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I just noticed you're all on my screen. You're all in the middle and it's like the whole t-shirts. Well, all four of us have gotten our certification from NIGP, which is our, the association that we belong to. And there's only 28 people in our state that have this certification. And of that, four of them are in our organization. Wow. That's awesome. So, Congratulations. You must have a great leader. Yes, we do. <laughs> so Chelsea's putting the, our picture in the newsletter. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I think you touched on what Graham was touching on, which is connection. We've got to have some level of connection. We can't just go in and do our job, get paid and go home, right? Not if we want to actually enjoy what we do. Not if we want to build a culture where people are engaged and people can be, you know, there's a level of trust, right? But how do you do that? How do you... How do you go into the workplace and what are some practical steps that you can take to actually build connection? So when you say connections, I'm in understanding that to be 
cordial communication between each other. I would not consider it friends. I, I seldom ever have friends at work, what I would consider a friend at work. So, and that part of that has to do with the line of responsibility I have as a purchasing person. And maybe the other purchasing people feel differently about this, but I find if I have friends at work, they ask for favors, then take me out of what I'm ethically responsible for doing. So I don't come to work thinking I'm going to create friends other than the people right here in my department and maybe the accounting people (laughs) because they have the same approach to protecting the way the money is spent at the entity. So as far as making connections, you know, it's always a, a cordial thing. I mean, there's always activities going on at work to talk about and things like that. So for me, it's talking about those things to people. The people who are in a closer circle to me, I guess we get into that in a little more detail as far as on a personal level. And that's how we make connections. I mean, we just we just all got back from a holiday weekend. So, you know, there's lots of things to talk about there and what fireworks displays they went to or parades or whatever. So for me, that's how I make those connections. But I certainly don't look to make friends at work. I mean, I really I put up walls to that because it's very difficult to do my job if people think they're my friend because they ask for favor and that are really not appropriate in this line of work a lot of times. And that makes it really difficult to do what I do need to be doing. So sorry. It's just one of your friends texting you for a favor. My gosh, I just won't hang up. <laughs> so that that's my perception on that. No, no, that's good. <clears throat> Thanks for sharing. Uh, yeah, and you bring up the, uh, I smiled when you said, uh, you know, define connection because I, I purposely didn't define it, uh, but want to. And by connection, what I'm referring to is connecting with others at a very human level, not just the surfacey, how you doing today? Oh, I'm good because you know it's not true anyway. Uh, but you pass in the hallway, right? But we're talking about just finding a way to connect to where you have a level of relationship that you would say, for example, uh, as somebody was sick and you would care enough to say, how are you feeling? Are you better? You know, how's your kids? That uh, level of connection outside of the, the spreadsheets. That's how I'm defining connection right now. Classic case uh, for the need for leaders to learn how to connect is uh, my girlfriend has a new boss had for a few months now um, class a unaware self-absorbed manager has no level of connection no no apparent ability to connect only because probably he's just unaware so i'm uh, i always believe everybody has opportunity to learn to grow and her father passes away a few weeks ago. She takes bereavement time off, comes back to work. He doesn't ask her anything about how she's doing. Doesn't ask her anything, you know, just jumps right into all the processes and procedures and all the goals and all the things that he wants to accomplish. And this is a repetitive process, like constantly talking only about work, never asking about who she is. She challenges him to a game of 20 questions just to try to get to know each other. And he plays the game, but still it's only in the moment and doesn't really have any level of connection or concern or care. Her, his boss, her um, director, first thing out of his mouth when she came back from bereavement was, oh my God, how are you doing? Just deep connection. 
Like, and she said, I, I don't, I, I want to move on. I, I can't work for this guy. He's like, then we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll make that. We'll make something happen. Right. And she's voiced the concerns. The difference and the reason I bring it up is because back to the old adage that is a worn out cliche, but so very true, proven by Gallup studies year over year, that people don't leave organizations, they leave bosses, right? They leave managers. So this is the, uh, you know, kind of the impetus behind this whole conversation is what does it look like to be a friend? And is it okay to have multiple layers as uh, of uh, friendship as Vera brought up, but even beyond what we would call a friend and how we would be friends at work versus friends outside of work or on the bleachers versus, you know, lifetime friends. How do we connect with people in a way that's meaningful to them? That makes them feel like they're human, like you're human, like they're valued, like you care. How do we do that? And why is it so hard to do that? I think even in your question, you already gave the answer. I think that the key is it's not about you, it's about them. So you ask the question about them, how are they doing, how are their kids, their dogs, their house, their whatever it is. So I think that's the key. Yeah, caring enough to to want to ask the questions, right? I think it's also important to actually care about the answers. Like if you have these questions and you go through asking people them, but the next week you don't actually remember what their kids' names are or the answers to any of the questions, then that didn't really work. You yeah. need to actually follow through by caring about the answers to the questions, not just asking them. Right, right. Yeah, it's not a it's not a formula, is it? It's sincere. It's authentic. Good job, Grant. I think it's worth mentioning too, like you can have a professional connection and still care about the person and care about their personhood and not necessarily end up being best buddy pals or friends, like, or be put in a position like Cindy was saying that, that doesn't work. I think you can have professional connection. I think, I think relationships vital to have a healthy culture. You can't have a healthy culture without a healthy relational culture. And so. I, I really think that it's it's just to define that. And, and if the outcome is friendship outside of work, well, then that's great. But that's not the goal. The goal is actually, I think some of the steps are to humble yourself, to not you know get rid of insecurity, have empathy, practice empathy with your teammates and your the people that you work with. And I, I agree with uh, Graham, like follow up if there is something, pull the team together to care for somebody if they're struggling I think you could do all of that and not have to be the type of friends that you may have outside of work. So I think professional courtesy and professional caring um, can all work together. I was also going to mention, I, I want connection with the people I work with, but I also want connection with the mission of the organization I work with. So I think it's important when we're on mission together and we're doing something that we think matters, you know, even... Cindy, your, your, the integrity you said what you said with was amazing. It would endear me. It wouldn't offend me. And I, I would respect it. I think it's worth mentioning just that you can have a professional relationship at work that is caring and even loving and not have to have them as a friend as we described it earlier. It's good, Mark. What holds people back from building those connections. Insecurity. Effort. Yeah, it takes time to build those relationships. So insecurity, being burned in the past, taking the time, 
trust or the lack thereof self-centeredness mm. or self-focus ambition I think self i think self-focus they have a they want to go out and make those friendships but only for what they can take from them not for what they can give for them so it's not really a friendship it's just they go and use people and it's not professional either like it's not professional courtesy either no no it's ambition right you're you'll step on somebody else's to get up the ladder is that ambition or is that just yeah there, there's another word that i can't think of right now that i would yeah better suited because you can be ambitious but not step on people agreed what about the risk like cindy you described a risk right connecting with people gives them the impression that you're friends that they can ask for favors I mean, I've learned, I mean, I've been doing this many years, you know, so I've learned how to manage those relationships, but it is one of the things when I'm working with new purchasing people, when I mentor somebody, it's something I talk to them about. I'm like, you have to be really careful about that and that they understand where that, I guess it's really more of a, as the purchasing person, you have to know where your line is, where your ethics are. You, I mean, it, you cannot have gray areas when it comes to making some of your choices. Unfortunately, I've learned that the hard way, you know, and <laughs> not as hard as your way, but you learn from people like you. I mean, this is, again, I've said it, this is why I come to these meetings. It's because I learned so much about it. And, um, you know, as an introvert, I don't get into those relationships so deeply and emotionally because it drains me. Um, so that's, on my part, it's very selfish, but I have to protect that that energy and that uh, way of communicating. So for me, I don't look for the relationship to get to those levels when I'm at work. Now, I have friends from previous employers that I've had for 30 years, you know, and these were people I met at a previous employer. I mean, I have a, a whole circle of friends from previous employers, but as a working with them, you know, those relationships weren't quite that at that time because I do, I protect my, I guess I protect my position more than I per yeah, anything is kind of where it comes down to for me. So, yeah. But again, I, going back to what Graham was saying about following up when you ask people about something, I actually keep notes on my employees or people I talk to or people who I'm developing those relationships with. It's just like a, um, you know, like a salesperson would do with their customer contact list, you know, their CRM. I keep a CRM on everybody I work with because I can't keep all those details in my head because that's not the type of person I am. I am not that social person. I know I'm not. So I keep notes on people so that I can follow up with them. You know, when they're some, they talk to me about something and it, you know, trust me with some information it is important that I follow up with them on that. So I, that's what I do to make it work for me. Nice. So you do actually build relationships with people at work. You just got to watch your boundaries. And I, I agree with that, right? We all have to watch our boundaries. We've talked about that in the past. I mean, and I always repeat your uh, story, Mark, about the white picket fence, right? And uh, how much we will let people into our, into our lives, into our you know yards, our porches, our houses, so forth. But to some degree, we have to take the risk to start the connection, right? And I don't think starting a connection goes without risk. And that risk, some of us are more risk adverse than others. Risk can be a really scary concept. If you are in leadership at any level, from frontline manager to chief executive, 
Licky and I would like to invite you to join the conversations in our live virtual studio audience every Thursday or any Thursday that you are available from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific time. For more information, please visit us at blindspots.vip forward slash audience. That's blindspots.vip forward slash audience. Now, back to the program. Like, well, if I try to open that door and get to know this person, what if they just shut it in my face? That's not going to feel good. What if I share something and then they use it to stab me in the back? Well, that's not going to feel good. So it, it is a scary place to build connection. Also, how do you manage the, the expectation of another person who thinks you're their friend and because you've shown some kindness, but there's been never an expectation shared or whatnot. So the unspoken expectations can be quite risky. Back to uh, your comment earlier, Cindy. Yeah, my whole brouhaha started with somebody from church who I considered a friend, but I didn't know him very long. So I, I was mixed up in my understanding of what a friend really is. And even though we went and got coffee and sat in Starbucks, you know, week after week, it was a, ri a ritual with us. I thought because I knew him somewhat and we had fun together that I could trust what he would say. And when he told me he had a stock opportunity, all offer. <laughs> so just because we know somebody a little bit doesn't necessarily mean we have to trust them a lot, right? But we can't also use that as a reason for not starting relationships and not connecting with people. It is important, you know, in the workplace, the, uh, the attitude of, that's depicted in that little scribbled note is a very toxic attitude and it does not serve any organization long-term, uh, cause it becomes a very untrusting, very cold, very, uh, um, unfriendly environment. And that's not the kind of environment that teams pull together and have high production from, right? So if you really want to create a really good culture that drives really good performance and, and accomplishes the mission at hand, then we've got to have some level of connection with our coworkers, with those who we manage, with those who are our bosses. We've got to have some, some level of connection. Otherwise, like I think it was Mark said earlier, but paraphrase it, it's just not a happy place. <laughs> so it's not going to be fun. You're not going to get out of bed in the morning. You, I can't wait to go to work. So I've got all these wonderful colleagues that I know nothing about. They know nothing about me and don't care. Just, yeah, it just doesn't, doesn't quite work. So what other than small talk, other than, you know, how's the weather, how was your 4th of July weekend or Canada day weekend? And other than that kind of small talk, what questions could we ask that are safe, but can start to build connection? So let me call on the relationship guy, maybe first. <laughs> What's a safe question you can ask a colleague to start to get to know them a little bit that would start to build that connection or at least test the water to see if a connection can be built. I think what, you know, taking a curiosity. Mm. position on with people, uh, trying to understand their why is probably a great place to start. 
what, why do you love working here? Why do you, what gets you going? What are you excited about in what we're doing at our work here? Or what's exciting you about anything in your life, right? Like you could take it outside of work as well. But I think, I think when you take a curiosity position, I also believe that story matters. Story is very powerful. Shannon will agree with me on this. Story is really important. And so a story, hearing story is a connector, connecting point. I was recently did a leadership weekend with a group of leaders and we started the weekend off by just hearing everybody's story. How did they get to this place? Why are they, you know, to this weekend? What, because they were all on a journey of leadership. And I tell you, when I heard the stories, it gave me instant connection with them. And when they heard my story, instant connection. So that could be one thing, uh, you know, asking questions around their why, what motivates their. Good. Curiosity. That's, that's a huge, huge word. Very powerful word. And, and remember, curiosity killed the cat, but cats have nine lives. So they're. <laughs> There is risk in it, but at least you get another chance. <laughs> I just, I just want to name, I, I like your example, Mark, but I also, I like how you emphasized your point about the importance of story by telling a story about the effectiveness during a leadership retreat. I was like, oh, that was effective. I understand it better because of the story you told and I have more connection to your example. But nice. Yeah. That's a great observation, Graham. And I think that's key as well, right? And mm -hmm is uh, it really helps to give illustrative stories to help explain what you're feeling or what you're thinking with somebody. So, so you can ask questions uh, regarding, regarding curiosity. You could ask questions about, you know, why they work there, why they, you know, why they love to work there. If in fact they do, you can ask questions about just how they ended up here, right? Like, how'd you end up in accounting or how'd you end up in purchasing or how'd you end up in fraud investigation or, well, that's a question I've always wondered. <laughs> and just ask people a little bit about their journey. I find it fascinating. I, I could ask each one of you a little bit that question and your journeys would just fascinate because we all, we all have a journey and we all have a story to tell. And we all have uh, very unique perspectives and very unique experiences that we can each learn from, which is, you know, what I think is pretty fascinating. Don't ask deep questions that, you know, you think would be offensive and you think would be way too vulnerable. That's, you don't have to go that, that deep in this connection. Uh, if it goes there, that's great. You, maybe you're building a friend, but just asking people about their journey is a really good opportunity to start building connection. How else can we build connection? What else can we look for that can help us build connection? Well, if they have an office, I mean, looking at the things that they've brought, their personal items that they've brought in that they surround themselves with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or yeah. lack thereof, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you can ask questions that uh, are sort of probing very nonchalantly. Uh, if you love sports, right, you can ask, you just bring up sports to a person that, you know, hey, did you see that game last night? And if they kind of look at you like, what are you talking about? Well, you know, you don't have that in common. <laughs> so you just start probing a little bit more. It's like, I used to play trumpet. Anybody musicians here? As an Air Force band, anybody play in, in a band? Bomb, bomb. Oh, there you go. 
long time ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but there's something. So there's a common bond. So Tim, you and I'll get together and I'll whip out a trumpet. You whip out a trombone and we'll scare everybody to death. <laughs> what other types of questions could you ask to, uh, to build connection? We were, uh, we were at a pool last weekend. We have a community pool and, uh, there's this new couple. And so trying to see if there was a connection there, uh, I asked, you know, what do you all do for fun outside of hanging out in swimming pool? And their answer led to zero connection. <laughs> Cause they're very outdoorsy. They do all the razors and the shooting of guns and all, you know, all the outdoor sports. And I, I don't do any of that. I'm, I don't even glamp. I'm like a, I'm like a hotel guy. I just don't go out in the wilderness. So I was like, okay, well, there's, you know, we're not probably not going to get together. It's not much in common right here, but you can ask uh, probing questions. So when I was younger, I was approached and I, I became uh, part of a company that was called Quickstar at the time, and it's it's a uh, Amway company. And I am very much opposed to most of these multi-level marketing, quote-unquote, pyramid schemes. Um, but I'm very much a, a believer in Amway. I'm not in Amway, but I have a lot of respect for those who, who have done well in Amway. And they taught a, uh, a an acronym called FORM, F-O-R-M. Anybody ever heard that before? So something that could help and it helps, uh, it helps in just making connections and seeing if those connections are going to go anywhere, but it stands for family, occupation, recreation, and then we can just discard the M. The M is the message that they're, they're building a connection with the idea that they want to see if there's uh, you know, somebody's an entrepreneurial spirit, but think of FOR, right? So if you're like in that tongue tied moment and you don't know what to say, you've got an opportunity to connect with somebody, whether it's a checker at the grocery store or whether it's somebody in the, in the workplace, you can think in terms of, you know, what can I ask right now that's family, occupation, or recreation? Those are very easy opportunities to start having conversations. You could put the M back in for mission. Like do you have a mission in life. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Mission. Yeah, what drives you? What are you passionate about? But you'll be amazed if you take a little bit of an extra step and try to make a connection, you're not always going to succeed. Not everybody wants to talk or even wants to answer your question, but you'll be amazed that all it takes is one little question that can spark a conversation, which can spark an opportunity to really have some enjoyment in the moment and maybe have another conversation and more conversations can lead to better connection, right? Um, I might even challenge you to go try this and, uh, next time you go out grocery store, bar, wherever you're at restaurant, just ask your server, ask the checker, ask somebody one of these form questions and just see if you can connect with them at a level. That's not just transactional. I like the word you use Mark relational, right? It's so often easier to be just transactional in the workplace. Let's do our job, get paid, go home. It's much more work to not just be transactional because that's still important, but to also include the relational aspect. But all the studies indicate now that that relational aspect is a key to your successful career, you having a fulfilled, enjoyable career, and to the success of the organization, right? 
let's think in terms of form. Next time you go out, try that. Let's expect uh, somebody, maybe all of you, why don't you bring a, bring a short story back next time we get together and just say, hey, I used form and it, and it, it was great. Oh, that'd be cool. Had a great, had a brief conversation or connected with somebody I don't usually connect with or, or what Just maybe you can bring back a little story about uh, how that worked out and maybe how scared you were to try. Are you saying I have to actually talk to people? Uh, Shannon, I know that's going to be really <laughs> tough, but just use form. Just remember form and that'll help. Well, any last thoughts on this? It's been an interesting conversation for sure. But I think we all have a level of connection, and I think that's awesome. Thank you for listening to the Awareness Advantage podcast brought to you weekly by the leadership team at Blind Spots Global, a multinational, multicultural leadership development organization specializing in transforming managers who are good at getting stuff done into great leaders who can influence and inspire others to achieve their best. If you have not yet subscribed, Please do so now so you will never miss an episode. If you would like to join our live virtual studio audience and participate in the conversations, visit us at blindspots.vip forward slash audience. That's blindspots.vip forward slash audience. We hope to see you there.